0: Church, my name is Caleb. I'm the student minister here at City Church. I'm not one of the graduating seniors, (laughs) contrary to how I may look. Uh, There is a postcard in your chair or in your row. If you didn't grab one, please make sure you do. There's some empty ones around. Uh, And here's why. Every single one of our seniors is on one of these postcards. There's 20 different of them. And they're all the same verse on top, which is Galatians 5.13. And it says this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. You might think, Caleb, man, that was an interesting choice of verses there. You know, that's a, not a very typical, like, graduation, Jeremiah 29, 11, Joshua 1, 9 kind of verse. Um, but this last month, this verse has been really on my heart to pray over this graduating senior class. And this is the verse I'm going to preach on today. And the reason why I want you to keep this postcard is, as church, I'm going to ask you that for this year until the next Senior Sunday, that you would put this on your fridge or somewhere where you'll see it, and you will pray by name for your senior. Uh, whatever their postgraduate plans are, they are making a major life. You made that change. And um, the statistics right now on, on students who have been in church and then go off into the world are very grim, to say the least. And they need us, Church we're called to be there for them. And so I would just ask that you would please pray for them. And so that's what this postcard is for. Um, let's reread Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, we're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. Let's talk a little bit of context here. So the church in Galatia is having a lot of issues. And the, the, the pro- it's the same issues that you and I have, it, is they're starting to believe false gospels. And Paul, Paul puts it this way in Galatians 1, 6, and 7. He says, I'm astonished that you were so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are following a different gospel. Not that there really is another gospel, but there are some who are disturbing you and wanting to distort the gospel of Christ. You see, there was, there was really these two major distortions that were happening in Galatia. On one hand, you had the gospel of legalism, that said, your righteousness and your holiness is accomplished through your obedience. And we know that this is not true because our good deeds could never save us. There's not enough good deeds we could do to satisfy the wrath of God. That was satisfied by Christ alone on the cross. And on the other hand, we have the gospel of lawlessness. This is where I think maybe a lot more of our graduates are going to struggle, as you might remember in your college days. But the gospel of lawlessness says it doesn't matter how much I sin because Christ has already paid the price. I'm not killing Jesus again by continuing to sin. He's already died. Like the price has been paid. So, so why does it matter if I keep sinning? Like what's the big deal? It's not a big deal. And this is a false gospel. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who is just a legend, awesome dead dude, but uh, yeah, he's real dead. He's dead, dead. Uh Man, I want to start talking about him, but I'm not going to. Okay. Uh, uh, I really like that guy. He's really awesome. But he, he calls this cheap grace. That, that when we view the gospel as just a license to sin and do whatever we want, we're making grace cheap. And if we know that grace was paid on the cross by Jesus, then if anything, we know that the last thing grace was, was cheap. Grace is anything but cheap. I think if we're honest with ourselves, somewhere on this scale, you and I fall. We're not all perfect in the middle, focused on the gospel. We all have distortions of the gospel that we tend to believe. And so I just want to ask you a self reflective question to think about is where are you on this? Maybe it's the first time here and you don't even know what the gospel is. I mean, it's about Jesus' love for you and about what he's done for you. And I'd love to talk to you more about it. I'm going to talk about it for the next 20 minutes. So. But we're all somewhere on this scale. And Paul gives us two commands for us focusing on the gospel and not falling into false gospels. There's there's two things he tells us here. You are called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Here's my first point, one of two. Flourish in biblical freedom. That what this verse is calling us to do is to flourish in biblical freedom. I Have the word biblical in there because how culture defines freedom and how scripture defines freedom are almost the exact opposites. They're they're very different. Culture says freedom means pursuing happiness, satisfy your desires, whatever those are. Scripture says freedom means pursuing joy. And joy is found in Christ, and it's not temporary, it's eternal. Culture says freedom is sustained by the lack of guilt and shame. Don't have guilt. Don't have shame over what you do. You do you. Scripture says freedom is sustained through conviction. That's when the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sins and we repent and we run back to Jesus. That is how we keep our freedom. Culture says that freedom in its truest form is anarchy. No rules. No ruler. But this is not freedom in Christ. Scripture says that freedom in its truest form is submission. Submission to Christ. This is biblical freedom. We are freed from ourselves and we are freed to Jesus. We are freed from greed and you're freed to be generous. We are freed from lying and free to speak the truth. We are freed from envy and we are freed to contentment. We are freed from isolation and we are freed to community. We are freed from anxiety and freed to eternal promises. We are free from despair and free to hope. We are freed from lust. And freed to love, we are freed from anger and freed to forgiveness. We are free from sadness and freed to joy. And above all, we are freed from death and freed to life. That is biblical freedom. This is the sort of freedom we are called to walk in. You guys are already off to a great start. I'm going to ask for some interaction here, okay? Okay? You guys are doing awesome. I want to illustrate this with the story of Jonah and the big fish or whale, whatever. Um, So first simple question is yes or no. That's all I got to say, right? Everybody, are we familiar with the story of Jonah and the big whale? All right. Awesome. Okay. Okay. All right. Was Jonah the most free when he was running away from God because he didn't want to go to Nineveh? Was Jonah the most free when he was on that boat trapped in the storm that God created? Okay, you guys are getting a little weaker there. Still got a couple. Keep with me. Keep with me. Was Jonah the most free when he was thrown overboard and drowning in the ocean? Was Jonah the most free when he was swallowed by the big fish? Or was Jonah the most free when in the belly of that whale he prayed and was made right with God and then went and did as God told him? Yes. Yes. We are the most free when we are obedient. The culture's idea of freedom isn't freedom, it's slavery. And the gospel says we are freed for so much more. And so church, my, my, my prayer is that, one, that you will have that freedom. But two, then that we would pray for these seniors that they too will have this freedom. Here's the second point. The rest of Galatians 5.13 says, serve one another Humbly in love. And my point here is that we faithfully serve the church. One commentary I read this week, um, he said it this way. The liberty of the gospel is not to be exercised in isolated independence. The liberty of the gospel is not to be exercised in isolated independence. Independence. In our American individualism, right, if America has probably our, chiefest, our chief value in our culture today is individualism, right? Um, think about, like, right back in like the 70s and the 80s. Uh, I wasn't born yet, but I'm, 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 from what I've read in the books, uh, right, everyone listened to the same music. We all were listening to the same radio stations. And today, it's all about having your own curated playlist on Spotify, and you're listening to unique music that nobody knows, and Netflix will even tell you what shows are great for you to watch, and your ads are catered specifically to you and your search history. Our world has completely, we don't have a corporate identity at all. We're very individual. But the Bible is not, and the Bible does not submit to Western individualism. We are called to have a corporate identity in the church that we are one body. And we are called to faithfully serve the church and we are called to love it. I think one of the false gospels we can believe is that you can be a lone ranger Christian. I hear so many Christians say, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, but like, I'm not about the church. Yeah, Jesus says it doesn't work like that. Like that, that just is not how it works. He says, I love the church. I died for the church, and you're going to tell me you don't want to be a part of that. I didn't just save you and leave you there. I saved you to a people, and that people is the church. We are called to be in the church. I go to seminary right now. I'm at Dallas Theological Seminary. Yes, you can pray for me. Uh, I've got a a massive paper due next Monday, and no, I haven't started. (laughs) You're laughing. I'm crying, but it's it's fine. (laughs) I was in class and we were talking about the contemporary issues in our culture and I don't know what happened, but at some point in this conversation, it shifted from how can we help the church with what we're struggling to and it became a critique. We began just critiquing the church and ripping it up and down and complaining about it. And it made me so angry. My blood started to boil and my face got red. I get really angry. My face will get a little red. And my face is starting to get red. And I finally said something. And the, the discussion ended after that. <laughs> but I said, we got to remember who we're talking about. This is the, the church is called the bride of Christ. We are talking about Jesus' bride right now. And we're doing nothing but trash talk it. I don't know exactly what Jesus would do, but if someone was talking about my bride the way that they were talking about the church, they'd be talking with a few less teeth probably. (laughs) We are called not to come to church with a spirit of criticism, but a spirit to serve. And I say this because church, I don't think it's just in seminary that we critique the church. I think sometimes we come in with a spirit to critique. Faithfully serving the church means that we see the church for who she is, and we love the church. You guys, church is messy. And this might be strong, uh, but the church is going to hurt you. It's it's probably not an if, it's a when. Because it's made of broken people. Your pastors aren't perfect. Your staff's not perfect. The person on your left and your right, they're not perfect either. And you're going to be hurt. But that's not a good excuse to not be involved in the church. Now, I'll, I'll say, right, there are, there, are, there are different natures of hurts. And you might have to go find a different church because of some hurts. And that's completely fine. But you are still called to be a part of the capital C church. You, you are called to be still a part of a church body. Something I was thinking about was that no church will ever hurt you the way that the church has hurt Christ. Christ died for the church. And he's done nothing but love the church in faithfulness and in unconditional love. Something I was thinking about, about this idea of how Christ has just radically served us and how we in response are called to serve each other. The church serves you every week. When you come here, the church serves you every week. I'm not talking about the pastors that are paid. I'm not talking about Ryan. I'm not talking about Jess over in kids. I'm not talking about Shelly over in Littles. I'm talking about the guys who work at nine to five and then come here at 7.15 on Sunday morning to help you park. I'm talking about the mom who's got three or four kids at home and still comes and serves in Littles. I'm talking about the students who don't even have families that come to church And they'll serve over in kids. The church serves you every week. The unsung heroes of the AV booth, the only way we're even able to have this service. The church serves us every week. Are you serving the church? If you're a believer, you're called to. You are called to serve. Why does God call us to serve? Because it's where you experience true church community, the scripture said, in humility and in love. You know, I think a lot of people, we get this, oh my goodness, we're running out of time. Okay, uh, I got time. No, no, no we, we get, okay. Uh, the, I think the church today, we, we can believe this lie that what it means to be a part of the church is that your butt sits in that chair for an hour and then you go home and you do it again next week. And that's it. That ain't church, that's maybe, maybe 10% of what it means to be a part of a church is coming and gathering together and worshiping and, and singing. Now, I'm not saying 10% because it's not important. It's important. But it is not the, the, what it means to be in the church. We know this because we're going through Acts right now. The believers, they, it was so much more than just a service they got together for. It was they did life together. It was that they served one another. It was that they said they had all things in common. If someone was in need, they helped them out. Romans says that they they weep with those who weep and they rejoice with those who rejoice. That when it's time to celebrate, we celebrate together. That we would live life truly knowing each other and loving each other. That's what it means to be in a church. That's what it looks like to serve in the church. And the thing is, these relationships, they don't happen by osmosis. You, You ain't just sitting here and all of a sudden you're a lot closer to the person on your right. That doesn't happen anywhere in the world. It takes effort. You've got to plug in and you've got to try. And you've got to put yourself out there. And yeah, it's going to be awkward and it's going to be weird, but tough. That's how it is. This is what we're called to do. We are called to faithfully serve the church. But I don't want to, I want you to hear from serving from some people who actually do it. Um, today's Senior Sunday, obviously. We've had four awesome senior leaders who have radically committed their lives to these seniors Sean Gant, Kristen Moody have been with these seniors the last three years. They came in a little bit later. Lauren Power, served with the senior girls for 6 years. And Rusty Cox has been with the senior boys for 7 years. Every Wednesday fall spring semester committing himself to be with these boys. Church, uh, if you've ever heard me talking to 201 or about what it means to serve in students, you probably think I'm terrible at giving a pitch because I am not shy from saying it is the hardest place to serve. And the reason why is because it takes consistency, a lot of consistency, with a lot of students who are frustrating, and it can seem purposeless sometimes because you don't feel like you're getting through to them, and yet they remain radically faithful in church. Here's what I was thinking about. In a teenager's life, everything is always changing for them. Their classes, their own bodies, their chemistry, everything in their life is changing. So what a beautiful picture of the gospel is it when they know one place they can find consistency is the church. That this would be a place where consistency is found. Where adults who have no relationship to them but want to pour into them and want to know the next generation do it. These leaders have been phenomenal and they are the reason why our student ministry is what it is. I do nothing. I'm completely dispensable. But these leaders are not. And, and they are what have made our ministry what it is. And is the reason why God is moving in so many incredible ways in church. I wanna I, I want show you this video because they embody Galatians 5.13. They flourish in biblical freedom and they faithfully serve the church. And so enough from me. I want you to hear from them.
1: Starting with them three years ago, I was super nervous as well, that I wouldn't be able to have as much of a mentor impact with them, being so much closer to their age. They kind of accepted me right into whatever role they needed me at. To just watch them be able to relax and kind of let down their guard so quickly with me, um, really made such a big impact on my relationships with them as well.
2: I think one of my favorite things is we, we did do a fantasy football, Competition. We agreed that the loser of the fantasy football league would have to spend 24 hours in a Waffle House. And uh, lo and behold, I was the loser of that year. That this year, I wasn't about to spend 24 hours in a Waffle House. I, I agreed that uh, look, if you allow me to, to pass on the Waffle House, I will cook every single one of you a steak dinner. And so, y'all came over to my house. We cooked, ate steak, baked potato. It was an awesome day. That was so much better than the Waffle House. And they they think they got the best into that deal, but I really, I I got the best into that deal.
3: You know, we come in and we actually open the Bible. We read it and then we have the lesson and then we go into our small groups and they open up and they share personal stories. They ask the hard questions and we have to research sometimes if we don't know the answers and that helps us as leaders grow as well. I mean, you think Wednesday nights, you know, we come for the students, but overall, I feel like I've probably grown and matured in my walk with the Lord as much as they have in the last three years.
4: I have loved watching them search and grow in their faith and their love for God um, from the silly times to the serious times and everything in between. Um, their faith and fire has just erupted. It's been so great watching them serve and um, learn how to fight for their beliefs using God's Word um, and to. to Search the scriptures and back up their their thoughts, and be willing to um, learn from others who are giving new perspectives. Um, it's really been cool watching that develop in each of them.
2: I questioned, you know, am I having any kind of impact on them whatsoever? You know, and I, you know, we pray for them all the time that something would occur in them that that would make them want to grow in their relationship with Jesus. I've seen them grow so much in their faith and their ability to articulate their faith. I'll tell you one of the best things that we've done as a group is is the Read Your Bible time. Um, We've had better conversations during that period of time than we have ever had in the past six years. It's because when we when you know they're sitting down they're they're reading the word you know. They're taking it in and they're formulating their own you know, opinions about it and, and, and we're having those discussions about it. And from those discussions, I can just see their faith growing and their ability to t- articulate their faith. And it's, it's been amazing and I'm, I'm thankful that, that I didn't get discouraged back when there were a bunch of turds in seventh grade and eighth grade, that I was able to stick it out. You know, by God's grace, I was able to stick it out and build a witness, the kind of work that He's had in their lives.
3: After the first year, I wasn't sure that I was going to make it back as a small group leader. I kept finding reasons to say that I can't between work and family obligations, but every time I would say I can't, I just felt like God was telling me I can and that I will. You know, it's just a testament to God, and when He wants you to be somewhere and to do something, that He will push you, and I don't care how many steps you try to take backwards, He's going to push you forward, and you're going to do what is in his will.
4: Seriously what's kept me coming back is the relationships that I have built with these girls um, and then also with all the youth leaders. That's something that that I will hold near and dear for the rest of my life. Um, Something that I'm afraid of losing when they graduate (laughs) but I am going to hold it near and dear forever. Um, Was it always easy? Nope. but was it meaningful and life changing you bet it was 100%.
2: I love them, you know? I mean, I mean, you you develop a relationship with a bunch of guys and you, you see them grow up from, from being 12 years old to now, you know, 18 years old and it's you develop this love for them. You know, you want to see them succeed. You want to see them grow in their faith. I mean, a lot of them you just you just you want to see them come to faith. Yes, it's, it's, it was a lot of work, and you spend a lot of time, and you, you question yourselves: why, why am I doing what I'm doing? Because, you know, sometimes you, you know you, you spend majority of the time in your discussion groups talking about stuff that doesn't even matter. You know, you can't get their attention for whatever reason. But then there's times when you really get to the heart of the matter, and you know you really have these deep discussions with them, and you, you really you really get this this glimpse that okay, they are. They are receiving, you know, uh, they are, the Lord is ministering to them, the Lord is speaking to them, and I can see that. And to be able to be a part of that, that's what kept me coming back year after year.
1: What's motivated me to continue to show up is just my desire to have them experience... Good Christian mentorship in their lives. I know that's something that when I was in high school and growing up would have been absolutely beneficial to my life. I just knew that I wanted to be a consistent presence in their life that would remind them almost the Lord's grace and love for them that no matter where they were at I was always going to be there and I was always going to fight for them The same way that the lord would too
3: there's a big world out there full of adventure and you know just for them to explore and although melissa texas is a wonderful place it's a speck of sand on the beach is what i always say because it's just their starting point they have so much further to go in their journey and they're going to have successes they're going to have failures they're going to have joy and they're going to feel pain and through all those ups and downs i think mostly what i want them to keep in mind and remember is to keep their eyes on god and seek the answers in his word
2: my hope is that they they continue to make their relationship with christ a priority in their lives and that, that they find a church home that they can get plugged into because it's not easy out there you know especially you know without being under the wing of your parents it's not easy and my hope is that they they flourish but they know that there's people still here that love them and that they could always come back to me and ask me for anything and i would help them out no matter what
4: my greatest hope for this senior class um, can be found right in god's word in proverbs 3 5 through 6. i pray that each one of you that you will trust in the lord with all your heart and not lean on your own understanding in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight you were created for such a time as this what will you do with that call
0: Thanks for joining us for the preaching of God's Word at City Church Melissa. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m., and we look forward to meeting you there soon. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God, the good of the city, and the hope of the world. Oh, you say.